Welcome to the Jess Larson Show on Innovation and Leadership. Uh, I've got a fun time this time because we're doing a group interview again. I've got uh, Shane Snow back co-hosting with me. Shane, thanks for doing this. So glad to be here as usual. So if anybody's missed uh, previous episodes I've done with Shane, he's a best-selling author of one of my favorite books of all time, Smart Cuts. His book Dream Teams is great. He's written another book. He's built an amazing tech company out in New York called Contently that's enormous. He's been up for Pulitzer Prizes for his writing, writes for Fast Company and, and other magazines. And just a genuinely nice human being. I'm going to put that in there. Uh, thanks. Uh, Shane, why don't you talk about our really fun guest this week? All right. Well, first of all, it takes one to know one. Anyone who knows uh, Jess is, uh, you're, you know, sometimes you, you do interviews like this and like the media persona is like magnanimous and great and friendly. And then as soon as, you know, you stop their grouch and like Jess is the opposite. He's even more sweet in person. So, uh, but no, so I was excited about this because, uh, so as, as you know, Jess, um, we, um, I started a company called Showrunner out in New York, it's film tech tools. And we did this nationwide sort of search for where should we move our company? Cause New York is expensive. And after this analysis of where's the best environment for like growth in film, a uh, place where we can build out a studio and, uh, you know, basically great resources, we picked Chicago and we moved to Chicago. And when we got there, we started making inroads in the film industry and everyone kept on talking about this place, Smash Virtual. Oh, you got to go to Smash Virtual. These guys are building some crazy high tech stuff. You got to meet them. You got to meet them. And so we eventually got a hold of them and, and we showed up and we met Scott and, uh, and saw this incredible facility they're building out with like the largest virtual production stage in the Midwest, which is basically a room made out of LED walls where you can make movies inside of it. And uh, so we had a great meeting, but then uh, we were, you know, they had to get some work done, but Scott was like, hey, I'm, I'm free. Let's, uh, let's chat a little more. And so we went to this place, we're new to Chicago, we went to the top floor of this very nice hotel called The Wit, where there's this sort of club and there's this thing. And then the chef comes over and is like, hey, here's some, you know, hey, here's some free food. And we're admiring like the, the walls have these crazy TVs and like, it's a very high tech, very hip place. And it turns out that it's Scott's place that he designed it. He, he owns it and runs it, but he designed it. And then it turns out also that he owns this hotel called the EMC2, which is like an 18 story art installation um, uh, that's like Da Vinci and, you know, art and science meets together. And then digging in, we're like, this guy who we thought was just, you know, some dude in the tech film industry actually has all of these crazy businesses that are at the intersection of design and tech and hospitality. And, uh, and so we, you know, as you'll see in a minute, when we, we, uh, we have him uh, come in uh, for the interview, he's a, a very nice guy. And, uh, and he invited Sylvia, my wife, the business partner, and I out to a concert, crazy concert with uh, Erica Badu, which is, uh, was just amazing. And, uh, and learned that this is a guy who, has incredible artistic taste and artistic interests, and he's applying that to business in ways that are, are very inspiring. So I, that's that's why I was excited about being able to join this interview um, uh, as uh, you know as he's coming here to share with the Innovation and Leadership Podcast. But I'll I'll, I'll take a breath there, and uh, and I guess uh, Jess, so you want to leave this in? I, I just want to say, Scott, welcome to the podcast. Jess, thank you for having me. Shane, thanks for the introduction. Shane's. It was, you know, it was that night that I got to go out with Shane to Erica Badu and his lovely wife. And I got to know him, how incredible Shane was. And, 
and delve more down into his incredible background. So I'm I'm in the presence of two obviously amazing people. I know they're talking to me, but their you know their uh, accomplishments probably way eclipse anything I've ever done. But I uh, I've been at it longer than they. I'm I, I'm probably twice their age. Uh, I'm just guessing. But uh, but uh, you know being with Shane and Erica Badu, it was a lovely night. He's that woman is insane. It's this is the kind of performance that really is what I'm all about. She's a visual performer. She's her voice and her music is incredible. Probably your audience does know who she is, but her live performance is incredible. You know, one of the things about me is, you know, I'm a, a live theater, live concert guy, even though I'm, I'm doing this film. And so I, I'm always looking for that kind of energy and engagement. And so it was great being with Shane and his wife, and but it was the perfect sort of experience that is what I'm really all about is this immersive experience. Yeah, I, I think it's Erica Badu is a good example of one of the things that I, I've gathered about uh, your business philosophy, Scott, is so she has a great voice. She's talented. You know, uh, anyone who had that kind of voice could be, you know, an R&B star, go out on stage and sing songs and do the normal thing. She comes out with this feather, like almost like Big Bird costume on. And this giant hat that, you know, two songs in, she takes off the hat, there's another hat. And then after that, she takes off the hat, there's another hat. And it's the perform. there's like laser lights that she's playing in. And it was this twist on, you could just run off of talent. But she, uh, you know, she had this sort of creative factor that makes it much more remarkable than, uh, you know, than your, your everyday concert. And, and this is something that we were talking about uh, a little bit earlier. Um, I saw the same thing. I see the same thing in Scott's businesses that, you know, the other week I went to, uh, to Dallas for a conference and, you know, people were like, oh, where'd you say? And I said, oh, I say the GW Marriott. And they're like, cool. You don't really remark on it past that point. You're like, nice hotel, whatever. You go to one of Scott's hotels and it doesn't end there. Like, oh, I say there, cool. You have to describe like the art installation and the thing that's going on on the roof and, you know, that theme sort of with it all and how, inspiring it is. And so I, the term remarkable comes to mind in both of these instances. So I, I, I like that that's a sort of a through line here. I don't know if that's like your core principles, Scott. Yeah. But... I mean, my, my core is, is that, uh, you know, my brand is, is smash residential, smash hotels, smash virtual, smash interactive. The whole, my whole thing is, you know, I, I, I can't just do something quietly you know, and just put up something, a commodity product. I've got to, I've, everything I've done since I was very young and started developing, I was always, okay, this is what they're doing. What can I add to that and really zhuzh it up? And, you know, the, how much I zhuzh it up depends upon how much, you know, opportunity is there within the, within whatever business that I'm going to. But I, I'm always, uh, finding ways to not be like everybody else is differentiating us. And that's this constant thing that is what innovation is all about. It's not like you innovate and in, in the business of hospitality or any of these things, you can't, I'm going to innovate. And then I walk away from it. It's just, it's, it's, it's ever flowing and it's nonstop. Kip, can I ask what is the, the deal with the name smash? I mean, I'm sort of have a, a guess. Yeah. I mean, what is the, the, the smash thing? Uh, first of all, you know, a lot of people, I've had some weird exploits say smash that obviously that doesn't sound very nice. 
And so, and the, the purpose was, you know, my thing is I'm a, I'm a theater geek, musical theater geek. And if anybody goes to uh, Broadway and, and, uh, and, and if it's in Broadway, that's a smash. It's because it's a hit. It's a great thing. So obviously there's that, but you know, by calling everything smash, it does set the expectation for me. It sets the expectation for the people who work for me. They know they're involved in a smash entity. And so it's not good enough just to be another this or that, you know, you got to, it's all about amping it up. So it, it is an ethos in the, in, in the uh, businesses I run. Well, it, uh, I don't, I don't know, Jessa, where your head's going with this, but you and I have talked a lot about smashing different ideas together as uh, you know, what lateral thinking is about and you know, what the innovation is about in general. So that was my theory, but I, yeah, Jess, where do you, where do you want to go with this? I feel like the way we do quotes in English is terrible, where you have the quote first and then who said it. Because if Einstein said it, or my nine-year-old's friend said it, the quote means something completely different to me, like the, the lens I'm seeing it through, right? And so, uh, you know, Shane, having you on, when you're talking about innovation, having built a tech company worth tens and tens of millions of dollars, it's different than some guy has an opinion about tech. That's why I... One of the reasons I pursue your opinion so much. Um, but uh, Scott, last I read, you guys have like over $500 million of real estate right now. And you've, you've done over a billion dollars in transactions or close to a billion. Is that, are yeah, those numbers absolutely. close? Like, and I think one of the things that was really interesting when Shane brought you up to me is, you know, starting off with like self-storage and apartments and these kind of things. And, and like, I, I can see how people who do that get to those kind of numbers. What I don't often see is the kind of people do that, who build up portfolios of your size, then doing like $30 million esports arenas and virtual walls and uh, like inventing hotels that have robots that will bring you your towels and a toothbrush and whatever you want. And I don't see, uh, I don't often see that level of like deep customer experience. I see a lot of, hey, there's a proven model. We can duplicate it. We know how much it's going to make. We can compound that interest and do it again. I see a lot of that. And I'm fascinated when I see people like Rick Caruso, people like you, who they've created a sense of place. They've created something that like Instagrammable. You can't, like you can't not tell somebody when you leave. And uh, I want to hear how you've cultivated that in yourself. Like you obviously came with some of that interest already, but my guess is you've doubled down in that over yeah, your Yeah, I, I, uh, uh, Maybe because I I uh, quickly get bored of doing the same thing over and over again, and and also and also you know well I you know as being a real estate developer because that's part of what I do, every real estate developer tries to figure out you know low cost capital and they want to build a commodity product and build it over and over again, uh, but you know for me uh, it's it's all it can't it's hard to always. Uh, you know, have the lowest cost capital because you're up against pension funds and whatnot. You'll never have the lowest cost. Yet I compete successfully with much, much bigger uh, companies with checkbooks a thousand times my checkbooks or more. And they don't care if they earn money or not, you know, because we're competing in a market in the hotel business that people own hotels. They really don't care if they make money at all. It's just like, Oh, I own a hotel. I, I, you know, that's great. But for me, I've got to make money on things. So, you know, I've, uh, when I do something, you know, to 
create enough uh, differentiate, I've got to do something extraordinary and stand out. So there is a business imperative for me to do that, but obviously to, to continue to innovate. Uh, and, uh, and I do get bored. Look, at, I, I will tell you when I started my first developments, which were self-storage, and I was so proud of myself. I was like 23 or 24 years old. I had built my first self-storage facility and I took all my friends there and they go, they couldn't believe how excited I was. I have a five by 10 unit. I got, I was telling you, I got $30 a month. Every month pops out of this little garage. And I said, this is the greatest thing. And then, and I was happy with that because I was making money on it. And, and my friends went away. Oh, that's, that's good, Scott. That's, this is what you're going to amount to. And I said, yeah, probably that's all I'm going to do is just build self-storage facilities. And then and I started doing apartments and, and uh, office buildings. And then, like you said, multi-use developments with, you know, that are creating place with restaurants, hotels. And, and so one thing led to another. And, but I, I actually think that, you know, you know, to, to be who I am and to do the range of things I have, I've cultivated, you know, a lot of life experiences over decades and decades. And I built step by step. So whether it's, you know, putting in a foundation for a one story building to uh, building a, a downtown 27, 27 uh, story hotel with a uh, rooftop bar and in a, in a very dense, the most dense part of downtown Chicago, be able to do that. It, it, it required, you know, a lot of experience over time. And uh, I think going back to who it is with me, it's that, you know, I, I was that weird kid in high school that maybe either of you remember, literally, I was this kid that I was in the school, every school play. I was the, I, I was the computer geek. I was the engineer, the physicist, and I was studying uh, uh, Leonardo da Vinci and Renaissance art. That was who I was in high school, except I didn't do any sports, okay? And there was no girl that would ever talk to me, which was okay. I was just too absorbed in all my little world. And, but, uh, uh, but you know, I just loved all of that. And it just, you know, my life has been a story where that, that sort of multifaceted person that's going from thing to thing and art and science and merging together, that's, that's who I was. I've been lucky enough to continue that uh, to today. And so I pulled those things forward. So in some ways, my, uh, my lessons about Da Vinci got replayed in my, and, and in great detail where I went even deeper into his background when I uh, envisioned building a hotel that's at the intersection of art and science, which is really kind of a fabulous thing. That was sort of this love letter to Da Vinci and it, it actually had a business purpose. I wasn't just trying to build it for Da Vinci. The business purpose was, if you're in the hotel and it's been successful, is, is that people come there, they, uh, they come there with uh, uh, a lot of corporate people to be, inspire innovation because that's really what the story is about, this very luxurious background with all this art is really there to tell this story of innovation in a very, uh, in an immersive environment. And, and so that has attracted, you know, the most elite clientele in Chicago to this hotel, uh, which was, again, it was a homage in many ways to Da Vinci. And so. Well, maybe my follow-up question there is, as I, you know, that cliche of like, 
don't listen to what people say, look at what they do, right? And as I look at what you do, I was going through all these Google images today and watching YouTube videos and things. Um, and, you know, people do reviews of your hotel and say like, have you seen the robot hotel? Okay. But uh, to me, it, it really brings, like I'm such a Warren Buffett nerd and anybody who watched the show knows that I like bring him up every episode, I think. But he, he talks about this idea of like his three favorite things to invest in is something with uh, either service franchise value or product franchise value or is the low cost producer, okay? So uh, service franchise value it, or, or product franchise value is like where someone will look at the competitors and pay more to come to yours. You know, like they'll walk across the street and pay a nickel more to get a Coke instead of whatever cola's at this gas station. They'll, you know, the, the parent holds up two, two uh, videos of the video store when people used to buy videos and the Disney one is more expensive and they buy it because it said Disney, right? And you know, I, like I said, like, I know a lot of people in the space who they say, okay, this product is safe and reliable. Let's do that again. And, and they're so focused on how can we reduce costs that they forget about the other lever of how can we increase revenues? And we all know that like commoditization lowers revenue. And, you know, Peter Thiel's book, Zero to One, or any of these people who talk about like, can you be the only can you, can you like invent your own monopoly? Can you, can you have something that isn't easily replaced? And like, we have all, all three of us, tons of people listening to the show have, have stated, you know, a Hyatt, a Hilton, a Marriott. And once you're in the room, if you like took a FaceTime video, none of your friends could tell you which, which, which brand of hotel you're in. You know what I mean? Like complete commoditization, even though it's, even though it's nice and they've got kind of everything I need supposedly. Right. And what I think is great about your, your point, Scott, is like, you aren't a pension fund. You know that your, you know that your competitive advantage is not going to be the lowest cost of capital on earth. There's some sort of middleman. There's some sort of reason you're not going to get that. So pull that other lever of, you can't just get this experience anywhere. Like I, I was looking at photos of your, the wit bar and like, it's like an atrium meets a technology place meets like a cool kids hangout, you know? And uh, it seems like you've really like pulled that lever hard of, of this is not an easily replaceable experience. If you wanted this experience, there's only one place you're going to get it. Yeah, I mean, that is 100% true. I mean, that is that. Um, and, and, and by the way, it's even somewhat harder because a lot of people have got into the lifestyle hotel space. So they want the, the hipster hotel. You could close your eyes in any one of a hundred hipster hotels and not know where you're at. It's not just the Hyatt thing. And even the college hotel, that's like a commodity too. But uh, there, there is only one uh, hotel EMC2 and there's literally nothing like it. And you just had to have, people said I should just do more of those. Uh, maybe, maybe it's just too boring for me, but um uh, and it's, it's a brand that I've owned, but it is a very uh, hard thing to, to do because it requires, uh, I mean, literally, I studied about Da Vinci. I studied about uh, all sorts of things. It has to come up with the right, uh, the right mixture that is hospitality, luxury, tells, tells it's got to be amusing. It's got to be fun. It, you know, I'm talking about art and science. You say, well, it's not, uh, you know, it doesn't get the sexy, but we put the shower in the middle of the room. How many of you have been to a hotel room with the shower in the middle of the room, all in glass, 
Well, in every hotel room in Hotel EMC2, the shower's in the middle of the room. So it, it can have a sexy side to it. People love it. The, one of the complaints we get there, and we get the same complaint here at the WIT, is that it's, it's not, I wouldn't take my, my kids there. I said, okay, I'm fine with that. <laughs> and, and the same thing at the WIT. I could take my kids there, but I can't take them to that bar. That is just like, good. We don't want your kids there. <laughs> that, for me, there's a couple of things that I, I pull out of this that are, are on theme. And with like my sort of uh, envisioned definition of the, the smashing, you know, art meets science is like a, such a great paradigm to have when trying to do something unique. But uh, there, you know, that theme of you spent time studying something that has nothing to do with hotels. So you could design a hotel. That fascinates me, but that's the thing that elevates the experience. I, I'm friends with a, a woman who started a, uh, a startup company in the healthcare space, but she comes from hospitality and she used luxury hotels as the thing that she studied and the paradigm she used to then sort of infuse in her healthcare startup. It's called The Land Bay. It's very cool if anyone listening in from New York, but that thing gives that such a differentiator, but it was like this deep study of some other thing which uh, anyway, I love that. I pulling that out of of this. It's, uh, that's a takeaway for me. Well, um, like the depth of that exploration. Well, I mean, I mean, that is. I mean, that's the nail on the head that we all have to think of in hospitality. If I hang hung around hotel people all my life, and that was my industry, okay, then guess what? I would have come up with nothing interesting. And the same applies for apartments or the plane of life for office buildings. Or if I just hung around those people in that silo, I, that, that's the worst thing to do. The, the best thing to do is just feed yourself. And that's, frankly, that's who Da Vinci was all about. I mean, that was the core of his genius. Is he, is he just soaked it in from everywhere and fused different ideas together? I want to shift gears here a bit. So, uh, Shane, we didn't get to do much of an intro. Can you tell us what Showrunner does? Why, and you don't have to name names if you don't want to, but why these giant media companies are begging you for your stuff? And then why uh, why that led you to become friends with Scott here? Yeah, so Showrunner started as it was sort of a pandemic era project that turned into a, a tech company. Um, where we had, uh, my, my partners and I, we had been making television and music videos and commercials, you know, a production company. And, uh, and during the pandemic, suddenly you can't have as many people in the room working on that, uh, on that stuff. And, uh, you know, and we were in the middle of a short film, we're in the middle of some client work. And so we started experimenting with using smart home tools to, uh, to basically remote control things around sets. You can be further away from people, you can have fewer people. And, and actually our business partner, Brandon, he went as far as trying to shoot this thing, this 30 minute, essentially a TV pilot with no crew, with just him, with a bunch of like, you know, those guys on the street that are, have like the harmonica and the symbols on their feet. One and man the guitar. Band. And it was like that. Yeah, one man band, but it was that he, you know, in our little studio, um, which is like a black box sort of, uh, there was actually a green screen at the time. Uh, he has, you know, the iPad controlling, turning the lights up and he has a remote control for the fan and it like makes it look like papers are blowing in his face. And, uh, you know, it was a very cool experiment, but as we started building that stuff, we, uh, we realized that there were, there are so many tools out there in the internet of things that can talk to film devices that we could actually start connecting things and, uh, and help 
basically help filmmakers and their crews spend more time with the the creative artistry of like seeing what works, seeing, you know, how we want to set up the shot or light it rather than spending so much time running over and turning knobs. And uh, anyway, and that turned into Showrunner and, and where we really got to was we, we had this idea of like, oh, turn your studio into a smart home. And the smartest smart home, smart studio thing that you can do right now with film technology is this emerging thing called virtual production, which is instead of taking your crew out on location to go like be in a castle or on a street in Detroit or whatever, you can have an LED wall behind the, the actors and put Detroit or the castle on the LED wall, which is super cool. The thing about it is it's very technically complicated um, and there's all these things that make it look fake. If you move the camera, it looks like a flat wall. So when you move the camera, the wall needs to move very subtly in parallax and then, you know, the 3D elements need to move at different rates. So there's all this stuff that's actually essentially math problems that, uh, you know, that you can use technology to solve. And then the other component is, you know, no director walks in and knows how to operate an LED wall with, you know, a physics engine and all that. So we started working on tools to make it so an iPad can control those things. So that, that's what Showrunner turned into. We raised some money. We picked Chicago after this long hunt of like, where is the most momentum in the film industry going? And, uh, and then that was, as we were describing to people in Chicago, what we were working on, that's when everyone said, oh, well, you know, the biggest deal in virtual production right now is being built and it's this Matt virtual, um, which, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I can turn it over to Scott to describe what they're doing. But as soon as we saw the ambition of that project, oh, this is, you know, we're, we're doing software stuff where, you know, we're playing with the the connection between devices they are making huge stuff like you walk into the space this giant room of led walls with the ceiling where if you you know you look at it just right you can't tell where the wall be ends and the ceiling begins it's all led you walk in there and you have this feeling like you're in a different place and also you need to rethink your future you're like oh technology <laughs> is changing the world right now i need to go home and think about this Anyway, that's so that that's uh, I guess the the way that we intersected, and uh, we're actually going to be shooting um, some very cool stuff at Smash Virtual. You know, using some of our tools, but using all of his tools uh, that we're really excited about coming up here in a couple months. You know, I know you guys hang out and you guys do business together, but what questions haven't you asked Scott that would be fun for the rest of us to hear an answer to? But I want to know why you would make such a big bet so early on this virtual production thing. When you walk in and see it in person, you get it. But until then, it's, you know, costs like a million bucks to set up an LED wall of this size, right? Till then, you have to make a big investment in, uh, in believing this. And I think you did that, you know, after a lot of, I don't know, I don't know what the story is, but before you had walked into the room made out of LED walls and seen the future in person, what made you decide that this was worth making such a big bet on? One of the things, I, I did make this bet, and it's, it, is, it is millions of dollars to do this, and um, you know, I did, I actually came about this not from the film uh, or TV world. I came about this, I'm also an investor and involved in a, uh, a, a game company, a virtual, uh, does uh, free roam VR games. And, I, and I've been involved in that and in part of, and that actually came out of the hospitality world, how I could take AR and MR and bring it into a, um, into a existing environment. And then as I got deeper and deeper and became involved with a, a kind of a brilliant software engineer uh, and getting into, into gaming, then I said, wow, this is fantastic. And then we started setting up a, a group of projectors 
where you were using, in this case, Unreal Engine, which is one of the 3D engines that, that uh, is the main 3D engine we use at this point. There, may, there will be others in the future, but to, uh, 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 to project around you a space that moves based upon where you're at in it. We just did it with projectors in a room and, and then uh, people were talking about virtual production. So I became, like a lot of things, interested and I kept learning and learning and learning. So I had actually spent about nine months, uh, maybe the year learning about this. And then uh, I had a building I thought this would work in. And, um, uh, uh, and I, again, more I learned about it. I thought to myself, well, Chicago, it's got the ad business. There's about, you know, there's, there's about four or $5 billion with a film and TV business in Chicago, not huge, but it's a real industry here. It's substantial. And, and in addition, um, uh, there's, is this huge ad business here in Chicago. So I said, you know, film and TV would have been impossible for me to break into, but I said, we could break into advertising in Chicago. And so I, I, and I know knew I knew no one was doing it. So, and, and I bumped into, uh, my partner on this, his name is Andy Jarls and He's, he's a genius. He's a real genius. So I, you know, it, we, we, this is sort of crossing paths where, uh, you know, I told him what I wanted to do and I had the building and I even done some layouts and, uh, and I learned from talking to him that he's been talking to people he, and he's been working on virtual production for three years himself in small ways and different larger companies had come to him and said, we want to build a virtual production stage. And every time he would spend time with them and energy and I mean, big companies, but they never pulled the trigger. And this happened several times with them. And, and so, you know, I knew that it was something he was working on. And, uh, and I said with, with his experience and doing it in small ways, he was the guy in Chicago, me with what I was doing in my background, which was, which was actually building things. I had skills he didn't have. He had skills I didn't have. So it seemed like a good marriage when we actually opened it up, you know, it's only been open about three weeks. And so now we're actually doing client work, but right after I opened it, I had, I had some people in this space. There was a, it's kind of a warm incident and it was up and working and the unreal engine thing is working. I said, Andy, I said, uh, you, you've helped me make my dream come true. And he turns to me, he says, no, you made my dream come true. So that, that uh, tells you something for this to happen. You had to have the right people come together at the right time. And I think the, the feeling is, is for me, this was the right moment when the technology has started to, it's been around for, you know, four years now, five years maybe, but it's, it's been very clunky. It's still kind of Frankenstein-y like, but it's starting to settle down where, people kind of know what it is and uh, the people sort of understand a, a basic kind of uh, uh, workflow for the product. And so the timing seemed to be right. The, the, the being in Chicago seemed to be right. Again, I should get involved in something when, when I can offer something that's, that's unique. I'm not afraid of technology. I can, I can leverage other people's talents and, and the right, economic setting was be the, yes, it was millions of dollars. I think it's going to work out fine. You know, I, I have much bigger plans than this for virtual production, but it was a way for me with not an insignificant investment, but not, I'm not investing $30 million either. 
So it's millions and not tens of millions. So you take step at a time. Yeah. So we, we've met, you know, people all over that. We have, you know, clients around the country that are doing virtual production stuff. We've met a lot of people who have grand ambitions to build a big virtual production stage. And I, I want to say a hundred percent of the people that we've met that are like, oh, this would be cool. You know, do the math, crunch the numbers. You know, you can make a lot of money and make a lot of movies have still not in the last, you know, it's the year and a half that we've been, you know, involved in the, in this space, still not built their thing. And I think because there's my theory is, uh, is exactly what, what you're saying, Scott, is that you have the confidence in being able to build things and provide experiences. And all these people that, uh, that we've been talking to that haven't pulled the trigger, they're filmmakers who don't know how to build a thing. And there's that, you know, the confidence factor, I think it's tough to get unless you have that deep experience in, in that other area, which is, that's what I love about this industry is, uh, is it's all of the amazing craftsmanship and art of filmmaking, but combined with the science and math that, you know, it takes to do this virtual, you know, technology stuff. And it's, uh, yeah, I think knowing the whole story and at this point, everyone who's listening and, and who's heard about, about your other projects, Scott, it's like, oh, of course, this is art and science once again. Yeah, it, it does. It added, you're right. I think I could do it. And Andy, Andy even has said to me, he said, look, Scott, I said, I, I know how to set this thing up, but actually building all these things that was like, you know, uh, I, I couldn't have imagined doing it. I did, you know, and, and the people that he had talked to about building it, they're not builders of things. They, they, they set it up. So somebody has to pull the trigger, have the guts, and the, and the confidence that they're, it's just going to turn out okay. And so, yeah, I, I did it. I'm, I'm glad we're just at the beginning. I can't tell you how this whole story turns out because it's too soon. Uh, so far, the feedback has been incredibly positive. So I'm, I'm overwhelmed with the, with the, the kind of support we're getting. And this is sort of a pitch for Chicago, Shane, which, which is that uh, what I am overwhelmed by is the support that I'm getting here in Chicago from the advertising community, from the film community, uh, people reaching out and helping me to make sure I'm gonna be successful, uh, which, is, which is kind of a beautiful thing. And people are inspired by it, be doing it. And they, they're rushing to lift me up, which is a kind of a, a beautiful thing. That's one of the things that we were, we've been delighted by in, uh, in moving to Chicago. So we did the analysis where like film incentives are getting better, you know, there's growth, all of that. And, uh, and once we got to Chicago, we have been, we've marveled at in an industry, you know, in film, there's, you know, there's so few opportunities and, and it takes a lot of money to make things happen, which is part of what this technology that we're all working on is doing is opening up more opportunities, you know, lowering that. Uh, but you know, when you're in LA, it's very hit and miss on if you have a meeting with someone, if they are going to suck or not, you know, if they're going to not want to help you out. Whereas every single person I met in Chicago has been supportive, even if they're competitive, you know, with what you're working on, they've been supportive. I think that's like, I, I mean, my philosophy on teamwork, one of, one of my many, I guess, is that we think of teams generally as the people sitting next to you in the office, but I think of cities like teams i think of you know in a much bigger way like communities and, and neighborhoods as teams and i think team chicago in the film and advertising industry is a very awesome team that i you know that's why we're making investment in which actually reminds me Justin and i were talking earlier about uh, he had a some teamwork questions that he had for you scott 
Uh, I don't know if that's a really clumsy segue there, Jess, but, uh, but I'm curious what you wanted to ask him about. You know, let, let's talk about the virtual production world and the future of, of movies and advertising and things like this. When you think about um, team building, it, it's something we hear about constantly. And uh, I don't think I know a CEO yet who thinks, oh, I'm really bad at team building and I'm a poor judge of character. You know, I, I have yet to hear that out of close to 800 interviews on here now, right? And, um, and yet you're obviously doing something that not everyone else is doing, Scott, because you're getting results that not everyone else is getting. So I'm, I'm interested as you think about talent scouting, recruiting, retention, what, what are some of your philosophies? Well, you know, you know, I, maybe I, I've been, first of all, I've, I've found wonderful people that want to stay with me. Our retention level is very, very high, but I think about the, uh, the people, I mean, cause there's a lot of service people. I have like 550 people working for me and how do I keep them engaged? Uh, and I think it goes back, uh, I mean, it's, it's, first of all, people that work in our hotels work, feel like they're working for a family business. And, and so they think that somebody really cares and is there and the buck always stops with me. So they, uh, they, they, they know that there's, uh, you know, some of the individuals at stake, their individual reputations at stake, they're just not working for some big amorphous thing. The other thing is I think that they all share, whether it's an apartment community or an EMC2 or the WIT or the other hotels, uh, they feel whether you're a housekeeper or a maintenance person or food and beverage, they feel, they really feel that they're working in a special place. So they could work at the Marietta, the Hilton, or they could work for at the WIT or work at Hotel EMC2 or work on the roof. And they, uh, they're proud of what they're doing. It's, it, they carry that with a lot of pride and, and we support that. And, and I think the, it, it becomes tangible because these people see me around the hotels. They see me continue to invest. They see my, my heartfelt passion for what it is I'm doing. And um, uh, I think that builds this sort of sense of family, sense of caring for one another. Uh, we, uh, um, you know, uh, for, for hiring, we all, always want to hire people that we like working with. You know, if we hire somebody who's a show off, that just doesn't work for us. We're a, we're, this is completely a team business. So if you can't, whatever department, you can't work alone. You're always working with people. So we find people that are nice, uh, big discovery. Okay. Find nice people who care about what they're doing and have a lot of pride in what they're doing. And, you know, up and down the food chain, you know, there's various levels of creativity you know, in the hospitality world, the part of this that has the most uh, creativity is, is food and beverage and service. That absolutely has, has the most creativity. You have uh, another measure of creativity in the, in, the, uh, in the entertainment nightclub kind of space, uh, which is even more. And so, again, we, I think on those, those areas, we allow, we try to find chefs or we try to find talent that comes in here that, that we will uh, relate to that are interested in helping us, but are uh, we give them a lot of latitude to express themselves creatively. I want them to, 
I want them to the chefs to go find new inventions and new foods and new this and new that and infuse that into their world. So when they come out and they talk to guests, they just, you know, if, if you if you go to the, the chefs at the WIT or at EMC2, the chefs will talk your ear off because they're so passionate about what they're doing. You know, so it's pulling that passion through, you know, to the food and beverage. And so, you know, it's it's making people feel like they're making a contribution. They can be who they are and then just let them do that. You know, just give them the license. Well, I, I'm going to ask my follow-up question to this and then, and then Shane, why don't you jump in? But so taking that philosophy and going to virtual production and, you know, some of this is new for you. And, and so when you think about they can't, you know, like there's an additional bar. Like it's not like you know what to do. You know what to do. The system's laid out. You need the. You just need the right personality to fill the role. Like my guess is you're like inventing some of those roles, and and you're kind of pioneering some things. So when it comes to somebody who is really intelligent, has a degree of mastery, can deal with uncertainty, like that that type of you know employee that's helping like pioneer this this new thing. What's some of your philosophy there? Well, uh, there, obviously, you're, you're dealing with a whole different level of talent uh, that you've got to deal with. You've, you've got to make sure you've got the right people with, you know, what I'm interested in uh, is making sure there's an alignment, you know, with my partnership with Chris Lye or my partnership with uh, Andy uh, Jaros is that, uh, is that, you know, they're both geniuses and, um, I, I have to make sure that they have the right ethics to really, I think, is identifying the right ethics that they really want to go there. They, they only know that they win if I win and uh, that we are locked at the hip and that they have integrity. You know, the, when you're at that level, you know, I think Andy or Chris, these people have incredible uh, uh, integrity, personal integrity. People trust them, and that's their their track record. and And they're both technologists, but they're not sh- show offs, uh, anything but it. They're, they're so much humility, and but uh, such genius and registering that that uh, uh, they have to understand. They have to be of the right uh, kind of ethos that we are there to make money. We're there to do creative things. And we're uh, we're going to uh, be accountable for what we do, and uh, and and if we have those those basic kind of human um, uh, uh, that that human bond between us, then we jump together, okay. And if 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 that is missing, that integrity and honesty, um, and that they're in it for the wrong reason, it will never work. So that's when I'm willing to stick my neck out if that if if that uh, that exists. So so I'm I'm pulling out sort of a list of takeaways from the last few minutes. One is second order effect of building a unique place to work or a unique place for customers is it becomes a place to work that feels less like a cog in a machine, less repetitive, like you can be part of a family. The second thing with that is. Uh, you know, you see some, some business owners, they stay, uh, you know, at arms, like from the team, you know, and they have the reasons for it. There's strategy to that. Scott walks into his hotels. He says hi to the guy running the elevator. Like he, 
he's taking those micro opportunities to be there as the, as the owner, as the boss. And I am convinced that's why the chef takes those micro opportunities to say hi to the guests. And that creates that whole experience. It's like that models that behavior. So those things of, you know, yeah. Creating a unique place has these advantages from a, you know, a team standpoint that you get loyalty out of that. Being there personally, taking those micro opportunities, you know, enhances that effect. I think the, uh, the thing with, uh, you know, talking about Chris and Andy and uh, dealing with people who are very high level talents, you can get into territory with team building where you make excuses for the people who are, they're so good at what they do that it's okay if they're a jerk or it's okay if they're unkind or if it's okay if they're show-offs or arrogant or whatever. And I think that's very short-term thinking if you're trying to build, you know, something sustainable um, because that has the opposite effect on the team. Now the micro experiences the team members are having are negative ones from these show-offs and the arrogant people. And, uh, and so this, this thing is cultivating a culture of benevolence on top of we have goals, we have, you know, we have the things that we're aligned on and we're all going to win together or we're going to fail together and being there in person to reinforce that. I think that's awesome. And on top of that, there's this factor of, you know, that I care about you being okay and about the customers being okay. So if you uh, need something from me, uh, you know that, uh, that I'll be there for you and I can turn my back on you and let you do the work that you're meant to do because I am trusting that you have benevolence for me in return. And I, I think that is an awesome way to run a business. So yeah, I don't know how many principles that was, but there's four or five principles in that. Shane, you said it a thousand times better than me. That's why you're the writer and I'm not. Well, I, I think it's a, it's a great example. I mean, it's, it's harder to do than to, uh, you know, than to, to say, right. I mean, one of the things that, uh, that comes to mind with, you know, sort of tangential to the virtual production thing, but you know, one of your business is businesses is this fancy nightclub that has some high tech elements to it. And this venue has been open for 15 yeah. years. So I think that's a question for me that has to do with it. What, what kind of, how do you eat it? Like nightclubs last, you know, two minutes before they're no longer hot, you know, or before they fall apart. And notoriously, uh, nightclubs are, are run by jerks and, uh, you know, and populated with pe people who are out for themselves. And somehow yours is, uh, is bucking the trend there. Anything, you know, any, any yeah. principles you could share on that or what's the secret yeah, to well, that? So. Yeah, um, and it's crazy the number of young people that that come up to me that first, you know, they know about the bar and they want to get involved. They see it's like a party, and you know, on Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays and Sundays, it's a party up there. Oh, my God, I want to get in that business. And the, 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 the failure that they have about that is they're getting in it for the absolute wrong reason. They, they think they're part of the party, which is the worst. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 really um you know it, it's it's true nightclubs are their their life duration is measured by months you know my bar has been operating up there 15 years it's seen it's seen uh uh it, it seems iteration but it's it's doing it's an it's does it's one of the top bars if not the top bar in chicago after 15 years as a venue it does you know private events it's you know, I think the thing about it is that uh, is that it is so highly dynamic. You know, this this goes to inter the entertainment business because I'm always sort of crossing between, you know, entertainment and real estate and real estate 
and entertainment are actually completely diametrically opposed. And the reason they're diametrically opposed is because for entertainment to be entertaining, it has to be novel. Otherwise, it's boring, right? But uh, on the other hand, real estate is a fixed asset that you build, you spend a lot of money on, and then that's it. So there's no way that real estate can be entertaining, and there's no way that you know entertainment can be real estate, except for the genius is, is merging the two together. And that's kind of what Roof is, is because it's such an incredibly dynamic space. There's uh, uh, the walls open and close. The ceiling opens and closes. It's indoor. It's outdoor. There's lots of, of video. It's, it's really the most incredible sound system that you've ever heard. There's multiple rooms, and we're always changing up. It's so dynamic all the time. So it can be calibrated to a private event and calibrated to a nightclub and anything in between uh, summer, winter, fall, daytime, nighttime, late night. It does all these things, and it's it's really been designed. This is sort of the electronics behind it, is I could sit here on this computer and operate what goes on at Roof remotely. You don't even need to be there. I could just operate it on a computer because there's so much involved in it. We can't have everybody, the actual hospitality staff, running all this electronics. So all of that, we, we fit it up years ago to do it remotely. So that's, that's keeping the cost down. So the, uh, you know, I tell people if Disney, while Disney designed a nightclub, they would have designed roof, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it dresses up like a nightclub and acts like a nightclub, but it's, it's pretty PG, honestly, but it's fun. So it's, it's, it's really about, it's, it's again, it's creating a space. And this is what you try to do in, in, uh, in all kinds of real estate to various degree is merge the on entertainment based real estate is inter, is intersect what you can make dynamic and, and in, in, a, in a space that is uh, uh, that is a fixed environment. So it's always changing. That's that's the secret. I, I love the novelty uh, sort of principle in there. Like that's that's one that I'll. I'll take away for sure. I mean, it does remind me actually of, you know, Jess, your real estate projects have this. Uh, yeah. I mean, we even talk about Jess's background, but you know, his background is in art, which I think is part of why, uh, you know, his, uh, his projects are always have that novelty factor and in many cases, actual art as well. You know, the adventure cabin stuff and all of that. Yeah. So I, I got this, I'm speaking to, I'm speaking <laughs> to the experts there, Jess, with in your real estate, and the stuff that uh, uh, you're doing, this certainly resonates with you of finding uh, uh, interesting remote destinations that people have to be at because there's nothing like it. I mean, that's that's part of your formula. Well, what, what you said about novelty is is super interesting. You know, like for us, we're trying to build these small resorts for outdoor families, like action sports families near ski resorts and national parks and surfing beaches and lakes and stuff like this. We're, you know, they're going to go to Jackson Hole anyway. They're going to go to somewhere like this anyways. We want to be the coolest place to stay if you were going there anyways. You know, glamping teepees and tree houses and tiny house cabins and stuff like that. But specifically for those action sports people, we want to have like the biggest, craziest bike jumps. Like you're going to like a, a skateboard park on, you know, a skateboard park or a bike park on steroids, like, like Woodward, you know, where guys train for the X Games. We want to have like, 
a mini private Woodward, and the only people who can ride it are if you're staying there, you know, and have life-size Jenga sets and, and zip lines. And uh, like, we've been working on ideas for scavenger hunts where when your parents come in advance, they have like the, the cheat sheet and they get to go put their own prizes in the boxes for the younger kids. And the kids have like a 90 minute scavenger hunt across the property and just stuff that they haven't, just stuff they haven't done before, you know, large art installations that are like a pre-made Instagram spot with huge mountain in the background or, you know, just like over and over, like what is the most cost-effective way we can create something highly entertaining that it's not even that other people couldn't do it. It's just that nobody has done it, you know, and that's kind of this philosophy we're pursuing. So I, that's why I watched multiple of your videos of EMC2 and these places of like, I'm loving these details. Like, I know she's a tiny little detail, but so many people comment on your hotel that the, the, the number for your door is a little circle backlit, you know, backlit circle and the numbers on it. And then out from it is this big magnifying glass. And so the number gets bigger. And like, that didn't cost you a million dollars to make. And I can't believe the number of people coming. Look at this. Look at this door. Look at this door number sign thing. And like, they can't get enough of it. And it was like, it was by thinking harder instead of spending more money that you came up with that from, from my observation. Why don't, you, why don't you tell me if I'm right or wrong there? It is. I mean, it is carving out the little details because, you know, in every, every step of the way from the moment they enter the door, uh, actually, before they even enter the door, in the show business, in the theater business, they say the show begins on the street. That's why there's a big marquee. And 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 I felt that way on the exterior of our building. Is it's 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 a flat metal surface, but it looks three dimensional. So uh, it was already inviting you. And then when you walk in, you're greeted by two things. When you walk in the door, the first thing you're greeted by is uh, on on the wall. There's a quote from Da Vinci, which says, uh, um, study the art of science, study the science of art, learn how to see and realize everything is connected to everything else. So that's that's how you're greeted uh, by this studying art, studying science and realizing you're there to fuse the connections. And then everything that's serious in the hotel is also paired with something that is silly and whimsical. So I have a, a 1950s black and white picture of a young boy with a pair of like uh, like uh, glasses on that we we would call like uh, uh, you know a 1950s version of uh, of a uh, of a uh, 3D headset. This weird looking thing that he's he's discovering the world. And so you know it, it is about at every instance, and like, you know, we've all had the, all three of us, I'm sure most people, if they've lucky enough, had the experience of walking the streets of New York City. And I, when you walk in Manhattan, you know, you can walk from one end of the island and not be bored. If you happen to walk in a suburb for like two blocks, you could shoot, you know, blow your brains out. But it's interesting in New York because your mind is always entertained at every instance. So what we're doing in, in our hotel stays, we want to constantly barrage them with, with, little, with little Easter eggs and things for them to discover and take it on a smaller or a greater level. So all of those things, whether it's the magnifying glass where you discover your room number or any number of dozens of things inside the room or the corridors, we're leaving those little Easter eggs along the way for people to discover.
Uh, Scott, if people want to check out these hotels for themselves, they want to follow you on social media, things like that, where's the best places? I'm on LinkedIn. If you want to reach me to Hotel EMC, go to www.hotelemc.com. You can go to the wit uh, hotel.com or the roof on the wit.com. And uh, uh, you can learn about those hotels and uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn as well. We have a website at Smash Virtual. You can go on now and uh, you could reach Andy. And uh, uh, and as far and uh, we, we are upgrading that website shortly, but you can certainly see what we're doing. And uh, uh, if you're interested in virtual bugs, please reach out to us. Uh, if you're interested in the future of film, TV, and advertisement. If, if any business leaders listening to this are planning on making a music video anytime soon, I want to be in 18 different locations, in the clubs, on the yachts, in the hotel. They can do that. Exactly. You know, the, the, the classic business music video. Well, I, I'm excited about the industry you're both in because when I saw the behind the scenes for that Disney, Disney Plus show, The Mandalorian, like the, the, the cost reduction without losing production quality factor, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just so blatantly obvious. And yet there's enough of a technical hurdle that it will be those people who pay the extra price, who are willing to learn a new skill, who are willing to, frankly, work out the bugs on the new system that, that have opportunity, just like such an incredible basis reduction of their initial investment in their property without losing the storytelling and production quality. I'm, I'm very bullish on your industry. Uh, maybe to end off here, Shane, I'll, I'll give it to you to ask, a, ask Scott a final question for us. Who besides Leonardo da Vinci inspires you as a, a business person or, or just in life? Wow, that's a uh, uh, that is a big <laughs> uh, big question. I well, you mentioned Rick Caruso. He's always been a hero of mine in the uh, 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 in the in the world of real estate because he's he's done such a good job creating place in, in the world. You know, the the other thing that I, I tell people about the the uh, uh, our hotels is that when they come into our hotels, which are like little cities, you know, with restaurants and meeting rooms and entertainment all in one space, you know, I, what's great is I control all of it, all of the restaurants and everything. So the, the thing that I borrowed, one of the ideas from is Steve Jobs, because his iPhone is so spectacular because he not only controls the hardware, but he controls the software. And that's why when you put those two things together, the experience is smashing. So that, so that is the other person, Steve Jobs, on knowing both if you control the hardware and the software, you can, you can create an unstoppable product. Oh, that's so great. Well, you guys, thanks for, thanks for taking the time to do this. It was fun. Thank you, Jess, for hosting as always. Shane, good seeing you. Jess, nice meeting you. Congratulations to you on your real estate uh, adventures. Okay, let's end there. Bye, everyone.